Welcome to What Happened Next, a podcast about newish books. My name is Nathan Whitlock, and I'm a writer. On this podcast, I speak to other writers about what happens when their new book is no longer new, and it's time to write another one. I've already had a lot of great conversations about the weirdness and pleasure of being a writer, so please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you do enjoy these episodes, which go up every Monday morning without fail, please tell other people about them. I do this on my own, so it helps a lot. If you want to send me a suggestion for a future guest, or comment on an episode, or just find out more about what I am doing, I have books of my own, hint, hint, please go to nathanwhitlock.ca. My guest on this episode is Meg Ramey. Meg is a multidisciplinary artist and performer, primarily known as the creative force behind U.S. Girls. Her most recent album as U.S. Girls was Lives, a live record released in November 2023. Meg's first book, Begin by Telling, a kind of fragmentary and poetic memoir about abuse and trauma and sexual politics, was published by Bookhug in 2021. In its review of Begin by Telling, Quill Inquire said the book reminds us that the very act of telling one's story can change one's life. Meg and I talk about her love of collaboration, even in writing, about how, unlike with her albums as U.S. Girls, she wanted her book to go out into the world kind of on its own, and how the best reader response she got to the book was, by far, from her own mother. When I do do the edit, I will be saying this as the opening music fades out under okay. my voice very professionally. Yeah. <laughs> and and that music is actually by a friend of mine named Alex Lukashevsky, who oh, yeah. played in your band last, yes. last year. Uh, and he's actually the reason why I thought, like, I'm going to reach out to you and, and okay. get you on this podcast. So I love Alex. Throughout your career with film and music and even with this book, you've sort of grown and shrunk and grown and shrunk in terms of like the the group of people and the size of the room and the size of the group. Yeah. Is that just how you work creatively? Like you need other people in the room, but it doesn't have to be a stable. It doesn't have to be a same group each time. Yeah, I think it's just about not putting any hard shape around anything you know it's a lot of it's circumstantial the, mm -hmm. for example the Massey situation was like I got asked to play the show but couldn't have my full current band so instead of saying you know pass why would I pass on playing Massey Hall you know it's like okay well this is this is this means I'm having an opportunity to just create something new for this for this one event and that's exciting for me and yeah, I think a lot of it for me is just about keeping it interesting. Obviously, I think like the core of me doesn't change, but what I'm interested in and what I'm kind of digging into either in music or reading or this is constantly fluctuating. So that means particularly in, in terms of music, I need to switch up the characters because it's, you know, I, I find that collaborating is a good way to not take yourself too seriously or think that all of your ideas come from you. Mm -hmm. I think as much as we can acknowledge 
that no one is like an original idea factory <laughs> the <Right>. better <laughs> the better off we'll all be able to kind of be able to uh critique as well as enjoy cultural artifacts it also makes me th uh think about a quote you gave to um in an interview where someone asked you you know the basic question of like what's your favorite place to write and your answer i was intrigued by because you said in my head or in or in conversation with a close friend yeah the writing often then happens after that you know i yeah. think that it's where the that's where my writing really starts and if if it's something comes into my mind it's either like a line or some tract of thinking that is got me excited enough to get up and get paper then it's like i'm onto something here right and you grab that flash and you do it i'm definitely not kind of writer that sits and does the nine to five thing or it's the hours put in that creates the thing that's just never how i've worked there is the kind of standard skepticism about you know a musician writing a book mm -hmm. people go like oh come on you know or even like when an actor writes a book and you're like that's not your thing i don't necessarily have that skepticism but i do always wonder like when you are responding to some you know emotional moment in your life whether it's five minutes later or five years later or 25 years later, because you work in all these different mediums and sometimes almost simultaneously, like where does the primary response happen or is it all over I, the place? Yeah, I can't, it's very scattered. You know, there's, I'm a very visual person in terms of, I'm able to look at the screen right now and my room and you, but I'm also able to see another level in my brain, like almost another screen. And I've had that my whole life. And I think that I see a, a lot of things are what's coming across that screen. And it's almost like my vision here that I that I'm seeing through my eyes into my brain is it gets kind of um, out of focus when I focus on the inner screen. Mm. And the inner screen then sometimes will have words on it, actual words. But a lot of times it's images or it's me realizing my idea on the screen. Oh, interesting. So it could be almost like me watching myself write or me watching myself sing. And it almost feels like a foreshadowing of when I complete or I'm actually creating the work that then pops up. But yeah, for me, it's as well just a really a full body process sometimes it's like I get a flash and I'm knowing that it's something to pursue because I have like an itchiness that's just like ants in my pants itchiness can't sit still I'm on the precipice of something of like I need to pursue this sometimes I have an idea and I it makes me laugh out loud it's so right. hilarious that yeah. it's like, oh my gosh, okay, this is something here. Because if it's making me actually laugh, let's pursue this. Sometimes it's consuming someone else's work that moves me, that is that gives me that feeling to then want to in turn create almost out of a thankfulness. Mm. Or in like conversation with, in a Could sense. Could be conversation, like sure. I've done 
a lot of, in terms of music, I've, I've made a lot of songs that were responses to movies or to a book. I made a song some years ago, we played at Massey Hall that was, it's called Sororal Feelings. And it was I after reading Coming Through Slaughter, and there's a character in it who uh, this woman, she like marries this man and finds out later he slept with uh, all her sisters. Mm-hmm. And that was felt so that that's happened. <laughs> I could, I, I could, I could feel that that's happened and what that would feel like and wrote a song from that character's perspective, you know, it's this, it oftentimes, yeah, there can be this real call and response thing. This is all like very rambling and stuff, but yeah. a, a lot of it, I don't, I don't ever ask myself these questions, which is why it's interesting to have them asked. I'm glad I don't think about it too much because seems like even though I do and I'm trying to contribute to a specific body of work, I, I don't know about like leaving something behind. You don't want to get too caught up in legacy or, no. you know, what what future people will say about your work or, you know. No, because especially now where so much of our books are one thing, you know, like, but a lot of the other forms I work on, like, or work within, it's like, they won't be able to be accessed if they don't, the machine isn't also accompanying it, you know? Right. So like, oh, I have all these hard drives, but there's going to be no thing to plug them into that can read them. (laughs) Like, so we've, we've moved a long way from the book. (laughs) And I For feel sure. like I want to move us. Back. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's it's entirely me. <laughs> I am a wanderer, so yeah. What I was going to say, kind of going back to you mentioned that second screen. Yeah. It actually reminds me of a a conversation I had with Alex Lukashevsky, maybe twenty years ago. Yeah. Where I was trying to explain to him because I was briefly in his band, and mm-hmm. then I removed myself because I was like I'm not a musician mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a hobbyist as a musician I'm I really am a writer and I was trying to explain part of the reason I knew I was a writer is because even in the most uh emotional moment crisis moment people are yelling things are going on there's part of my brain that's sort of going but what if this happened and what yeah. if that actually instead of saying that they said that that would make that scene a little more i'm not actually in the moment half the time whereas i always felt musicians needed to be mm. have a better sense or a better ability to be present and to be right there am i making like a completely false or simplistic dichotomy there or in my experience it's like i'm i'm a, i do both simultaneously mm. so i'm able particularly with music and performance, like performing music live. In terms of the music part, I'm almost on autopilot because I'm so, I know what to do and I know the songs and they're so embodied. But Mm -hmm. then I'm scanning the audience and the space for things to heighten the performance. Mm. And I'm going through the options (laughs) (laughs) before I do them I'm not just every impulse that comes I do it right it's not a it's really not like that because my performance then would be manic and over the top ridiculousness right so Mm -hmm. it's like choosing which paths to pursue and at what time within the performance when I know I have say 70 minutes right And a lot of that is like observing the audience 
you're not just going to like fall on the ground with the microphone and start screaming when no. you're like, they're not no. quite there yet. I, I'm exactly. only five minutes. This is the first song. You got to build it. But yeah. then it's often coming off stage, which can be also like when you finish a record or when I finished my book, I was kind of, it's like, what happened? Mm. Is It's done. I don't even remember what happened up there. What? Okay. Now this thing is complete. There was all these threads and then now they're just all zipped up and it's complete. And it's, you know, and particularly after a show, it's surreal because it's like, now I'm just going to go home and brush my teeth and lay in bed (laughs) you know it's like okay what was that that just happened in that sense that's when it starts to make sense when you hear about you know the days of big bands like having 50 people in a hotel room and partying until six in the morning and doing massive amounts of coke because it's like you don't want to stop no moment dead and just go okay well all right it's very difficult i think for emotionally and to just be going from having that much energy being focused on you to it just shutting off. It's yeah, it's, it's addictive that, that energy. Specifically with the book then, was there a, was there a struggle while you were making it to find that way of performing it? Writing by necessity is such a, it's such an intellectual thing. Yeah. I mean, you clearly found ways in the book to make it more, uh, a little more performative. And I don't mean that as a slight at all. I mean, yeah. it's it's more open. Was that a specific thing you felt you needed to do to, to express it properly? I felt that way. I think it being the first, you know, time I was a publisher, it approached me and was like, mm-hmm. try this, you know, other than me writing zines or writing little articles or essays for myself or like note keeping, you know, this was the first time it's like, I think I had a little bit of like imposter syndrome as you say, like people are like all oh, musicians writing books or something. And I feel like the nature of what I was talking about, I really needed my people with me. And by my people, right. I mean, like, my my books and my things that have helped me. I, I needed their voices as well as my backup to be like, I'm not the only one that said this. <laughs> I'm not the only one that's ever thought this. Other people have thought this too. I'm not crazy, you know, because a lot of the stuff I'm talking about is things that are difficult to talk about. It's hard to stand alone and be like fully in your story. But also as much as I needed support, I just loved the idea. The entire time making, going through the text and creating it, it was like no rules, no rules. Erase all the rules, erase all the rules. No, you can't put that in. Okay, well then I'm putting it in. You know, like how to dismantle the idea of a book as much as possible. Um, and not fall prey to wanting to make it. I mean, I guess that's the thing. I did fall prey of wanting to make it not a book, (laughs) (laughs) but there's no form there. You know, I I didn't want to try and prove I'm a writer. Yeah. I didn't want to, I just wanted to really, and a, a lot of that, what I had to do was I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and then took out. And it was just all about, that was kind of more, the most important part of the writing process was how much I took out. I will admit my my own t- tastes tend to be really boring. And so I came to the book thinking like, oh, I'm going to like have to struggle with it. It's going to be really odd and jumbled and fragmentary. But I read it. And I was like, it made complete sense to me. You weren't making it arbitrary decisions. It felt 
organic. Yeah. I mean, that that was really, I worked hard with my friend Cassie who helped me edit it. That was the main thing of like, like I was just reading this funny Reddit thread of where I was just looking up experimental novels, things with <laughs> under that name. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Ever, the joke is like, it's so experimental, no one's read it, you know? And yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. I didn't, <laughs> we're not doing that. We're reading a book that anybody can read. Not just someone who has like, a critical, a big critical uh, reading background that's going to like understand or someone who like my aunts could read it. And that's not right. a slight to my aunts, but like no, my aunts know, who live in mean. Indiana that are like, they mostly read like Danielle Steele and things mm -hmm. like this and like sports biographies, like the trying to make the structure lifelike. It was definitely a specific thing that I worked really hard on and Cassie really assisted on how to make it so that people have to think mm -hmm. while they're reading it, but it's not an impossible puzzle. A big part of it too is like talking about a lot of the topics in it, that it's a lot of, of violence and childhood sexual, uh, sexual abuse and things like this is like, this, these topics are so complex, <laughs> Yeah, you know, they're just so multifaceted and to, try and do anything definitive or say right or wrong, or, I think is so unhelpful for the conversation. And particularly telling my very specific personal story within these kind of larger world topics and events and political things. I just wanted to be so careful of not making something that's like a tell-all one-sided thing yes I was like abused by a family member but they have their whole life which made them do that <laughs> and like yeah they don't get to write a book and no matter what they were wrong for what they did in those things but it's them not having uh, any of the people I'm talking about in the book that are from my real life that they don't have a platform to then respond to me feels very tricky and that I had a responsibility to say what I need needed and wanted to say, but keeping them in mind. And it's not a protecting anyone or it's just literally a kind of a, a weight thing, fairness thing, uh, like how to actually discuss these topics in a way that gives people tools rather than just satisfies the less flattering traits of a victim. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Because right. victims have tons of traits, right? There's really positive, resilient, amazing traits. And then there's the other side of the spectrum that's the really angry, nasty, why me? I'm not going to see the rest of the world because this happened to me and I'm not going to hear anybody else's story. You know? Mm -hmm. So trying more to, yeah acknowledge those traits while leaning more towards the more positive side of being a victim. That sounds really funny, but yeah, there is that sense in the book that you're leaving all these narrative spaces open for acknowledging that there's these other stories that you're not telling and that you don't feel you can tell that are other people's stories. But there's even the sense that you're not telling your own story and your own side of this in any definitive way. You almost feel like you could come back in 10 years yeah. and write about all of these same incidents 
from a, a 10 more years removed and it would be a completely different book. Yeah. Well, being, being before <laughs> 40 writing something that's somewhat memoirish, I, I wanted to do that. <laughs> it's like, right. I can't, these stories have already shifted. I'm telling them completely differently than I did in my twenties or when I was mm -hmm. a teenager, I will change, keep changing how I'm telling them. And all of our story, you know, our stories are built on memories and memory is so ever shifting, especially having kids. It's like, mm -hmm. now that I'm a parent, all of my memories that include my parents, it's like, I'm watching a, a new episode of a show or something right. because it's like, oh, I have a whole other set of my own experiences as a parent and knowledge now that I'm bringing to those memories that involve my parents that make me think, oh, yeah, <laughs> maybe yeah, yeah. my mom <laughs> was overworked. Maybe my, you know, it's like, they're not just my memories anymore. My, 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 you know, and yeah. that's something that I'm really, I'm so grateful for that's come through having kids. And that just seems to come through aging in general. If you, if you want to go there, I think it's hard to want to go there because we think we're letting go of our story, mm -hmm. but it's, to me, it's been such a comfort and <laughs> such a relief to be like, I wasn't singled out. I always say that having kids, it was almost like opening up sub-basements below sub-basements in terms oh, yeah. of feeling and emotion. And you didn't even realize that the basement kept going and there was another set of stairs and it went deeper and deeper. It's yes. it's a weird feeling to suddenly, yeah, like you said, suddenly open up like, oh, there's this whole other world of not just joy, obviously, and pleasure and happiness, yeah. but pain and oh, frustration Lord. that I had no idea about yeah. when you're just, when you're just a big bubble of me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. What you're talking about relates right to the title of the book. You begin by telling. You don't yeah. finish by telling. That's you don't end it. Like you you didn't name the title the book and let's end it here. <laughs> 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 yeah. Let's get this out of the way. And also you just have to start somewhere and really what started me on this kind of whole path of my life of even becoming a musician and mm -hmm. all of these things came from me beginning to tell what had happened to me as a kid right you know i just decided to tell someone <laughs> right. you know yeah. that uh, and i began that process and i'm gonna it i will be engaged in it until I die. My brain was wired in a trauma state. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to be working on rewiring that the rest of my life. And that means telling the story to myself in new ways all the time. And it's how do I tell it so that I can carry it? Right. You know, I used to tell it like, it was like a mountain <laughs> on me, you know, and yeah. like where I'm at currently is like, I fashioned like this really groovy arty case for it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> can be heavy at times, but it's like pretty ergonomic and, you know, sometimes can make me money and things like that. Yeah. And I'm hoping like eventually when I'm on my deathbed, it just is like it disintegrates or something, you know, right. it's like the, hopefully the end of it, but 
I have to tell the story so that I can understand why is it that I get so stressed out in certain situations where other people don't? And why does, why do certain stimulus feel like I'm being attacked? And like, I have to constantly understand um, and be reminding myself why my brain and my body function in, in a certain way at times, instead of just like losing it, you know, Mm -hmm. which I, I still do sometimes and need to do. And I used to do it a lot more, you know, through just drugs and alcohol in terms of that sense of you've created this this case for all of this these stories and this trauma and this these emotions i want to ask you about the kind of aftermath of the book Mm. because like a lot of people i talk to on this podcast the book came out in some sense the worst possible time because Mm. it's right in the middle of a period when nobody's going to book festivals and book launches and readings and doing all that kind of thing was it a in a way, almost a relief to have it come out and just be a book and you didn't have to stand with it? No, I was really hoping the process would be the opposite of music, you know, like I just wanted to write it and just put it out there. Send it as far away from you you as possible. And just be like, that's done. But it ended up, and my main thing was just, you know, I talked to certain members of my family. I don't talk to other people. And it's like, I was just so worried about if people from my family read it, what was going to happen, you know? And I, I, I sent it to my mom before it came out and an amazing thing happened. Amazing thing where she read it and she, she then said, can we, can we hop on the phone and talk about it when she was done? And we did. And she apologized to me. Oh, wow. And it was like, you know, it was just, and all she said was like, I'm, I'm just so sorry that all this happened to you and it was so hard to read. And, you know, but like, she'd never done that before. <laughs> like she'd never, oh, wow. and people who, as we know with family, it's family often doesn't say sorry for these, in these situations. It's just mm-hmm. because to say sorry would be an admittance, admitting some wrongdoing or, you know, it's, so it was really a healing thing and it was kind of seemed to be can see now it's like why 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 I needed to do it and maybe why the opportunity even came my way to begin with was like to because this was at the end of my mom and I not speaking for about three years Mm. so it was uh that was the greatest response I could have I've gotten more than any sort of reviews or right. <laughs> I'm on a book tour and it's selling all of these copies and stuff, you know, and then another positive thing for me, which is a lot of people I know who don't read books, you know, not that they haven't ever, but they're just not book readers. Right. Being like, I read your whole book, you know, <laughs> like it, it was like easy or like yeah, I yeah. read it at one sitting. And that really made me feel, you know, nice feelings of just that I was able to induce someone that I love reading a book. Yeah. And for you, me, reading's like my, it's one of my main things, you know, there's been times in my life where it's been unhealthy. I'm reading so much. I'm using <laughs> it to escape right. um, in being too engaged in the pages and not enough with myself or the people around me, you know? 
And you've talked about that being, again, the same way that when you're performing, there's a part of your brain that's being a bit strategic. You talked about when you were writing the book, that was part of what you wanted. Was it to be, quote unquote, an, an, an easy read? Like you didn't want to bog people down. You wanted it to be a quick read. Though I did read you had some anxiety about the length that you had to kind of get over <laughs> yeah. the fact that it was short. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I mean, and the publisher initially was a bit like, it's a little short, you know, <laughs> which was funny, too, again, around that form of that a book has to be a certain length for it to be a book. And why is that, you know? Um, and it was exactly as long as it needed to be. You know, it, it was when I vomited everything out, it was much longer. And, it le you know, it's like that thing. It's just like, quantity doesn't mean quality you yeah. know so it was like what words are absolutely necessary yeah like and what are just filler because I'm just trying to how so every single word that's in it needed to be in it which feels nice and I don't and also just such an interesting it's similar to making an album, but then so, so different in some ways, but it does feel more definitive. I don't know why, mm, you yeah. know, like it's just in a book and there's a beginning and an end and the pages. And yeah. it's like, you know, there's something in me a bit that's a little bit like, oh, I, I could have done this different or something, but I, I haven't had those feelings in quite a bit. I just, I haven't, I haven't really, um, gone back through it in right. some time so it because when it came out a month later I gave birth to twins so it was like that was the same year that you had you had the twins yeah. you had a record that year or the following year when, uh, when I had the you? record uh the following year in 2020 I had a record come out and then I had one come out this past year but right. I, so it was, I all... was writing the book and making the album pregnant both yeah of them. yeah I mean, I can imagine if a book came out and a month later you have twins, it just vanishes. It gets washed away by experience. Yeah, almost. I kind of, I mean, that's the thing. The publishers, book hug people are just so amazing and so sweet and so understanding when I was like, I'm giving birth and, you know, like I can't, <laughs> I can't do anything for some time. And they yeah. were totally understandable and there was really nothing to do anyway. The whole process is, I really enjoyed it and it's totally addictive, you know, it's yeah. totally an addictive, I get, I think I get addicted to pro processes. It's like when I got obsessed with editing film and video, I'm just like, I love this process. I'm like, totally. I'm so engaged and I feel so alive when I'm doing this. And mm -hmm. that's definitely how I felt with writing the book. There are times when I suspect that I started this podcast just because I really enjoy editing audio. Yeah. Just oh, yeah. Like yeah. Stitch, totally. Stitching, stitching conversation, making things feel organic. That were so actually, satisfying. Yeah. So satisfying. It's a weird part of your it brain is. that wants it... to <laughs> wants to be satisfied by that. I know. It's great. Is there a new project kind of burbling under, or is it just like kids and music have to come first? And no. Or is well, there a new I... writing project coming? There is. Well, the book Begin by Telling got picked up by a French publisher and was translated mm. into French. So I did that process. I don't speak French, which was wild to have your to basically have to re-explain things <laughs> that I already said, but in a simpler way, 
Yeah. For someone who didn't understand either a cultural reference or wanting to know, did I mean this or did I mean that, you mm-hmm. know, and then to have a text come out, that's my text, but I can't, I can't read it. <laughs> I don't really, <laughs> I'm not a hundred percent sure what it says yeah. and in what way. Did you have um, someone check it? Did you have a French I had speaking some reader friend, check? Yeah, it? I did. It did. Who who had also read the books and they were like, it's pretty, you'd be fine with it, you know? Okay. Yeah. But I'm like, I can't, that was the thing is like, what, which was kind of, it was kind of like someone covering your song. I was just going to say, that, you know? that's the weirdest thing. Like we, we want your album to come out, but we're going to hire a band and another singer. <laughs> yeah. It'll be your songs, but yeah. we'll, we'll change the keys and they'll be a little slower and. It was cool, though. It was cool to just after a text that I had really held very close to me and had been going through with a fine tooth comb for for so long to just kind of be like, yeah, whatever. You know, I answered my questions and like, what can I do? I had like one moment of panic being like thinking they had kind of, I don't know, ruined the openness or something or had like... Mm. Cause they added a few extra footnotes for some, some clarity. And so that kind of like, you know, but then it's, yeah, in the end, it felt so good to just let something go and not, just not care too much, but I got a grant for an, an for another book. So I, I have been working on that. So in the process, I'm just kind of in the vomiting process right now of right. writing and following every kind of thread. And I'm writing something fictional this time Mm. but informed by my experience of pregnancy and giving birth to twins um trying to write a text that again is this free book idea of like the form is free and attempting to write a text that has no it's, I don't know if this is the right way to put it, but like no cultural references no, I, I, <laughs> in it yes. at all. And is, could it be, could this be 1700 as well as 2024? And like mm-hmm. how to break down telling something into basic, 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 basic. And also writing, attempting to join a bunch of narrators together, but kind of radical narrators so trying to write from the skeleton's point of view as it is shifting over the pregnancy, mm-hmm. writing from the two different placentas wow. perspectives is proving very difficult and very fun and challenging. Yeah. And also there's no wrong, I can't write anything wrong. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It can't be wrong. You can't there's no, it could be not good, but it can't yeah. be wrong, you know, and even good. That's just value judgments are the process I'm in right now. It's they're totally use. They're useless. Any sort of value judgment. I just have to get out and then I will look. So I, my, my grant, uh, final report is due in three days. So that's also my deadline of when I'm sending off everything I've written to Cassie, who I worked on the first book with Mm -hmm. for her to finally see kind of where I'm at. And she'll say, okay, (laughs) you know, she's, she's a long time. We've done a bunch of music together. We're very close. We were pregnant at the same time. And yeah, she's very supportive. She'd never be like, 
this sucks or, you know, she'll, <laughs> she's a very good um, editor to have and collaborator in that way. So yeah, I'm in the thick of it right now. I, I feel really good that I can pass on this advice to, yeah. to, uh, to you, which is that distinct from like uh, touring grants or recording grants, most writing grants, they don't actually really expect you to finish the project. Yeah, I yeah. love I love that you've actually made that a real deadline. But a lot of writers <laughs> yeah. are like, thanks for the money. I'll write you some bullshit later about, yeah, yeah, I'm still working on it just to like fulfill the check a box. But yeah, well, I if I it's actually not like they're going to take it back. They're not going to take the money. No, back. and I don't have to submit anything. I just have yeah. to submit what I did or whatever. But I want to complete this. And like, because I think I'm used to making records within a couple months or a you know it's like a very cut and dried process mm -hmm. um I like that and like I don't think I'm necessarily for me I'm not interested in like revisiting and revisiting I want to try and get something out and complete it and move on to the next thing I'm not sure how much better you know quote unquote better something would be because I worked on it for 20 years. For some people, I think that's the case, you know, <laughs> and that's their process and how they like to do it. Part of, you know, a large part of my process is completing things, but that's just it. And now I'll make something else. And, but I do like approaching writing from a bit of a performative aspect. For me, it's a lot of with writing, it's just like, not being pressured by these kind of stereotypes of what a writer is and how it's supposed to go. You know what I mean? It's like Nick Cave, he sits at his desk every day from nine to five and he wears mm. a suit and he did it. And it's like <laughs> that. Okay. Well, <laughs> Nick Cave like, sounds nice, but I have kids and I have to fit it in into whenever I can. And like a big part of writing for me is living. What Happened Next is produced and edited by me. The music playing under my voice is by the great Alex Lukashevsky, who is letting me use it for free. You can find more of Alex's music at alukashevsky.bandcamp.com. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. There will be a new episode every Monday. Please buy more books, and not just new ones.